Hello, Free Money family. Sloan here. And I bet you were starting to get a little bit worried about us. Is that the case? Um, never to fear, never to worry. We're back with another episode. Um, due to a very characteristic technical issue, um, there's no guest this week. Uh, it's sort of the, the all banter episode. And we were able to salvage most of the episode. And there are only a few parts of it that don't make any sense at all. Um, so just to give you a bit of quick context on that, in case you come across something that's confusing, um, our guest in this episode was actually my co-founder at a company called Woodcash that I've been building over the last couple of months. Um, it is a carbon removal project developer using this really cool novel, uh, process called biomass burial, where we basically take waste wood, which is about half carbon by weight take it out of forests where it could, you know, kind of exacerbate forest fires and bury it in specially designed pits in the ground um, that allow us to ensure that the carbon embodied in the wood stays sequestered for a hundred years, really much more likely thousands of years. Um, so it's very cool. And there's some references to that at the end of this episode that uh, hopefully makes sense now. Um, but other than that, um, I give you a fantastic episode full of banter news, uh, tips of both the garden and non-garden variety, um, and the occasional jokes, some of which I'm told are even funny. Um, so I look forward to sharing more episodes with you over the coming weeks. Um, please uh, accept this as a not-so-subtle invitation to send your questions, comments, thoughts, musings, uh, rants and uh, you know let's 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 keep the invectives to ourselves but everything else every other thoughts any other thoughts that you may have please pass them along um, and the other thing I'll just mention is that uh, due to the recording glitches that we experienced um, Ashby and I don't say we love you at the end of this episode like we do usually um, and I just want you to know that we love you very much um, bye Enjoy the episode. Take it away, Sharkbait. Ahoy, free money podcast listeners. I'm Sharkbait Buckley, the Disclosure Pirate, and I'm here to set ye straight about what's going on with this here show. Sloan Ortel works for Invest Vegan LLC, a New York registered investment advisor. Ashby Monk works for Stanford University, Adapar, Future Proof, Long Game, and various startups. All opinions expressed by either Sloan or Ashby are entirely their owns, and do nay reflect the opinions of their crew or any company. Clients or invest vegan may maintain positions in securities and strategies discussed in this podcast. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where invest vegan and its representatives are properly licensed or exempted, and a client agreement has been executed. Arr. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Here comes the money. Welcome to the Free Monkey Podcast. Free Money Podcast? Free Monkey Podcast? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I think you can get monkeys for free now that NFTs are worthless. That's a great point. That, you know, this I, yeah, I was Free Monkey Podcast. I bet you there's a lot of NFTs that nobody. They're holding it at book value of $5,000, but the true value is zero. The true, the true value is infinite, Ashby. I mean, it's because it's really, you know, it's left to, the, left to the reader as an exercise what these things could be worth, you know? That's right. That's right. You know, 
There are some really funny like NFT bankruptcy stories that have happened recently where people are like, you know, I I, I really expected a lot more positivity out of the Bored Ape community. Uh, you know, <laughs> I can't I laugh that- at all you Bored Apers. Yeah, uh, exactly. But it is sort of hilarious. That's <laughs> uh, yeah, you hate to see you hate to see idiots losing money in mass. I mean, it really. Yeah, but it's been a while, Sloan. I was looking. I don't think we've recorded anything in six months. And I think part of it is we were just making so much money off the royalties. We didn't. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I I was sitting on my big pile of money out here. You know, I moved to Utah, which is news to some listeners. Yeah, well, it's it's my own version of a lifetime movie. That's amazing. Uh, Yeah, like, you know, overworked professional woman moves to Provo, Utah, learns the meaning of community. Um, I, I haven't and met like skis. a sexy carpenter and skis. Yeah. By the way, when I tap this, does it sound like it's coming through there? Yeah. Okay, good. Because yeah, I yeah. was expecting that we would already have technical glitches given that's our, uh, we're on a new system for the listeners. Um, just to keep everybody on their toes. We've got, yep. we've got, we're off of the old system onto the new system, which usually means some glitches. If I'm yep, honest. Some growing pains, some growing pains. I mean, so far, <laughs> I think only about five or six. That's half the reason people tune in, I think, is to hear us deal with technical um, challenges. Um, Tech Support Live, the podcast. But I think, I think six months have gone by, but I think the world still needs free money. It does. It does. And so that's I mean, why we're here. We're here. Yeah. And by the way, there is a lot of free money. Speaking of free money tips, if you are holding cash in a savings account for the first time in maybe 10 years, you should really be exploring other places to put your money because the spread between your savings account and U.S. Treasuries is probably 4%. The savings account, I mean, I feel like that tip has really been making the rounds in Silicon Valley of late. (laughs) Well, there's the don't put more than the FDIC uh, max insurance max in a bank account. That's one that is um, not free money, but protect money. Uh, <laughs> the money. Free money tip is basically moving money from one riskless account into another riskless account because the cash and cash equivalent market has gone nutso with the rising interest rate environment, which means if you're just doing what you were doing 12 months ago with your oodles of cash, because we know the free money listener has so much cash because yeah, they've like been listening. Scrooge McDuck vibes, basically. It's swimming in gold, yo. You got to make sure that gold is, isn't just in the you know pool like it was for Scrooge. Uh, I literally have slide a slide deck with Scrooge McDuck swimming through the money you know that i mean right? you you have to i mean have like you in this, me do that presentation or you're no. just dropping scooch mcduck we're just blue? we're just we're just in each other's heads dude. that's the way it works <laughs> <laughs> this is too good um yeah so that was my tip go and see if you invest in a treasury something like that you'll go from one percent to four percent and even if it's five grand you know we're talking about at the end of the year a fancy dinner yeah yeah, well, and and you know, it's I, I think it really has been year. I mean, I don't even remember the last time that there was an observable interest rate on cash. Yeah, um, I think it was like the first year of my investment career in like 2007. That's uh, right. We had we had it for a minute. Yeah, um, then the financial crisis was like, ah, 
Nope. Psych. We're going to, in fact, we're going below zero interest rate, basically, because <laughs> we're going to throw money at a helicopters. Yep. Yeah. Like it's say, hey, how would you like a new, to come up with a new theoretical framework for what an interest rate is when it's negative? Like it was a really fun time for our applied fun. economists. Yeah. yeah, it was fun. And we all thought we were so good at investing when money was free. <laughs> okay. News, Sloan, because so much news has happened since we True. talked. Such as... Do you realize, I don't know if we've like gotten to comment on the complete explosion of crypto. We've already, <laughs> we already started. Yep. Right. On the show. First thing was our free monkey podcast. Yep. Um, but it's, there's been quite an explosion for the listeners who aren't really with their, you know, finger on the pulse of crypto. And um, as evidence of that today, the Canada um, Ontario Teachers Pension Plan um, has announced they will be steering clear of the crypto sector. Now, for those that aren't <laughs> aware, OTPP lost $95 million on FTX. And because they are quite a sophisticated plan, they held that position on a direct basis. So, you know, the newspapers could quickly identify an <sighs> Ontario teacher-based pension plan losing all that money. Yep. Now, to give them a lot of credit, I think there's probably 50 other pension funds that lost more than $5 million, but yep. they just happen to be sitting inside of a vehicle that obscures our ability to spot all these other pension plans. So, um, but, but Ontario Teachers says, no more. No more yeah. crypto kitties. I mean, it's it's really, you know, I, and I thought they were long term investors here interested in building the ecosystem of, of frauds and scams, you know, like oh, I agree. I, yeah, <laughs> this is a thriving industry of fraudulent behavior. <laughs> oh, my God, I love this. Um, all right. Next one. Speaking of cash, I've got cash related news. Sloan. Mm. Um, the future fund is now holding less cash. They had been hoarding cash because of the volatility. Um, here's the, the line. Future funds cash holdings fell to two, not from two, 10.6% in the first quarter from 11.8% a quarter earlier. First that's of all, a lot of cash. that is a massive cash holding. Yeah, yeah, that's like, I mean, I think the accounts I manage are usually below 1% in cash. Yeah. That's because you're trying to avoid cash drag. Like yeah. cash drag is a known thing, especially when you don't have in high interest rates in cash markets. Um, but Future Fund was holding all that cash just because of the volatility. It's great to have. It's great to have cash when markets are collapsing. You invested in the assets that are collapsing. Yeah, it, it functions like an option. I mean, and people really do kind of think like, okay, well, like, I mean, there is a school of investing that's like, oh, yeah, you know, holding all this cash is basically a free call option on future vol volatile situations. Yes. Is that their ra rationale or are they, are they just going like... It is their rationale. They That money almost entirely has been moved into developed market equities. Interesting. So they're, they're sort of, in my mind, potentially calling bottom on that, or at least beginning the average, averaging into those markets. So the developed market equities component of their portfolio rose to 17% from 15.9%. Um, it's also interesting to note that they have cut back their allocation to uh, private equity, dropped huh. it half a percent, hmm. which in a high interest rate environment is rather astute 
because a lot of the performance in private equity people um, often attributed to um, free money. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it is, you know, does bear mentioning that private equity it used to be called leveraged finance or leveraged buyouts. Uh, <laughs> true. Leveraged buyouts, LBOs, we called it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it would be like, are you doing venture capital or LBOs? And they were, that, you know, a real archaic term for it is bootstrap finance, which is like, you know, the, the kind of like 1960s term for it. My gosh. Uh, I'm going to have to go reread Barbarians at the Gate. Get oh, man. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's I, that's a real classic page turner, uh, a swashbuckling tale. But the but it, a reminder that basically in a PE deal, you're usually putting down like one unit of equity and like getting nine units of debt from some kind of friendly banker. Yeah, amazing. Third piece of news is Stanford University. Some oh wow! May have heard of it? Has launched a new course this quarter on pension funds. And oh, really? sovereign wealth funds. And what I find most interesting about this new course is that I'm teaching it. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, I, I thought you were going to say that you're not teaching it. <laughs> I am teaching it. It's my class. And uh, we got 40 students in there learning all about pension funds and sovereign wealth funds and how they make decisions. And Sloan, you'll be happy to hear. I didn't make it required, but I said mm. it was optional to listen to the back catalog of the free money oh, podcast. That, that's smart. That's smart. You know, it's funny, actually. I, I've started doing, um, you know, we just made our first hired Invest Vegan, which means that I have a training oh. program now. Um, and uh, I sort of have open sourced my training program for like other, you know, kind of radical and lefty finance entities. And quite similarly... <laughs> Uh, you'll be shocked to know where the homework assignments are coming from. Oh, yeah. The Free Money Podcast. Um, I think mostly I did it because I wanted to be able to say our podcast was on a Stanford University syllabus. I, I mean, uh, you know, it was going to happen one, one time or another. Yep. You know, I mean, it's already on the Yale, the Yale and Harvard syllabuses. So it's still about time. I'm not sure what the plural of bus is it syllabi? <laughs> Sil syllab syllabisms? Syllabinous. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. So that's my last bit of news, but it's been a blast. I have to say, it's been a blast to take these 40 Stanford students through our world because, you know, nobody knows about our world. It's so weird. It's nobody. so weird. Like, yeah. I, and, and it's just like, I, I mean, there's so, there's like a 24 hour news channel dedicated to like the least relevant actors in the finance world. And then, you know, like this group of, you know, long-term investors that controls zillions in assets, you know, might show up, but, they, you know, they have to be in that short-term news context. They can't have, you know, they, they don't get the conversation that, that they're owed, you know? Yeah, exactly. That's right. And uh, we're, we're doing some interesting homework assignments. And some of the students, I tend to realize partway through are smarter than me. Uh, yep, and yep. So a lot of times when they ask tough questions, I'm like, that's a good question. Now, does anybody else think they can answer it? How about you? You know, so you kind of get real good at redirecting questions, Sloan. That's the key. I think that's called the case method. Yeah, no, I'm sure we can invent a methodology for um, when you don't actually know the answer. Um, <laughs> Fabulous question. Well, rather than me just stealing the thunder, let me just turn it over. What, what do these students think here? Yeah, well, yeah. Why do we think about this? Why do we sort of, you know, reason through this in a group and work on our collaborative problem-solving skills? Exactamente. Yeah, you, you know, you're not just teaching people academics, you're training them for the real world. 
Beautiful. You know, it's it's time for hard things, Ashby. Like, what's uh, anything been hard for you lately? So, I mean, literally, as we were on this podcast, I was dealing <laughs> with hard things. I hope, you, I hope it didn't come through as different people were trying to get at me. Um, look, the hard thing today, which I'm writing on the fly here, is like, it's so hard to thank all the people you need to thank when yes. you build something big. Because, you know... Without getting into it, because I don't want anybody to get get fussy with me. But, you know, when, when you build something, you're going to have many different people involved. And when you have a success, um, you want an opportunity to thank people. And I set out to thank a bunch of people yesterday. And I forgot to thank two people. And they are sad that I forgot to thank them. And I feel terrible about that. And I'm I'm sitting here stewing like literally it's affecting my day that I forgot <laughs> to say that these two individuals had contributed something significant and God, it, it eats me up. And so that's hard. You know, it's like you just want to make sure the people that have helped you get there feel honored because, you know, none of this stuff you can do alone. <laughs> I don't do anything alone at this point. I do it. I, I'm the, I'm the cheerleader, you know? So anyway, that's hard. How about you? You know, that that's a, a really interesting, I mean, so I'm sort of dealing with this point in my evolution as, I guess, a manager and an entrepreneur where um, for a long time, I would be kind of gutting everything out by myself, um, like invest vegan until uh, like literally earlier this month was just me. Right. And now it's me and Gabe, who's, who's just joined us. Sweet. Uh, you know, and, uh, and Woodcash, you know, like... Um, five, six months ago was just me and Serge. And now it's like me and Serge and Mark and Wid and, and Marco and, you know, a, a whole, a whole bunch of people. And, um, so what happens really quickly in that kind of evolution is that you go from being, you know, the person that everything is on to being kind of like the repository of information that people need. Um, and, you know, kind of being in many ways a blocker, right? Like where, you know, two people might be working on something and they need something that's in my inbox and I haven't set up my life so that they get it automatically yet. Um, so I'm really like uh, having a lot of fun, but also a lot of growing pains thinking about, okay, so how do I, you know, make sure that everyone has the full context that they need, you know, and, and how do I just like release myself from having to t take every action myself? Um, and be prepared for the feedback lot. that's about to hit you. Like you're going to get feedback. I think that's the other thing that people don't realize when you build new stuff, whether you're building a new yep. course or you're building a company or a fund, like, my God, you just need thick skin. Absolutely. Oh. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, and it's so weird. I mean, especially with Woodcash, cause like, you know, we've been pitching in Utah, right. To a relatively less woke VC environment you might expect than, than you might expect in Silicon yeah. Valley or New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I'm a gender nonconforming trans woman, right? nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, like, you never all the way know what the hell is going on. And by the way, like, usually it's me giving the pitch. So it was kind of fun to have to force Surge to do it. <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, that is wild. But yeah, like... I, yeah, it's just uh it's you know, it's a growth experience and it's a wonderful time, but uh it's it's really interesting. Amazing. Well, good luck with all that stuff. I'm really excited you guys are doing the wood cash. 
It's um, Would, I, it is exciting. Yeah. I looked through the deck and was kind of blown away at the sophistication and and you know the it is an issue that so many people are thinking about and you have a novel solution. So congrats. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how far that gets us. But you know, I mean, we have a very. Uh... Oh, I was waiting for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is it doing the thing again? <laughs> yeah, please. I mean, you can hit it a third time. Why Just keep keep playing it, baby. Yeah, 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 yeah. What we got. Um, so this is a, this is one I've been really looking forward to asking you uh, because you know during the unraveling of FTX, yeah, um, there was this big like you know kind of think piece or, 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 you know, kind of energy in the effect of altruism community and hmm. the broader long-termism community about Sam Bankman fried and his involvement in, you know, a lot of things that you and I kind of think a lot about like long-termism mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And one of the really interesting thoughts was that long-termism is in some way a utopian worldview. Um, and I'm curious, is that the way that you think about it? It's a great question. First off, SBF was a con man. So um, <laughs> let's, even if he was pretending to be all these things, the more we learn about the way he was running that place, like the more it was clear he was in part so far over his head and also yeah. a con man. Yeah. Um, I had to Google utopian because... <laughs> I feel like I know what it is, but then I was like, let me just make sure I'm on it. And it's equal rights. It's a life without fear. It's economic security and it's collective or government provided welfare for all. And I think my, my vision of long-term ism and long-term investing's role in that is probably all of it minus the government provided welfare. I, yep. I don't mind the government provision of welfare, social security, the facilitation of pensions, healthcare, but I don't think that is necessarily what the long-term investors are noodling on as they're thinking about their 50-year horizon. Yeah, I think they're thinking about how they meet their objectives, which is usually some government project, by the way. Most pension funds are set up either tax-free, thanks to good government support, or by the government themselves. Yep. So the hundred trillion is is has this clear link into government, but I I do think that when you take that long term view as a a pension investor, a sovereign fund investor, you really start to care about um, freedom and liberty and you know integrity and what it means to live without fear. Like to me, I I I guess I am a bit utopian when I start to go after it because why not? Shouldn't we have an ambition that's to make this place? so much better yeah yeah and like and isn't the best way to derive that ambition to think about kind of a distant future where we've resolved a lot of the the near-term yeah. nonsense and you know you kind of have a, a way of of judging against that once you adopt that long-term perspective and i would like you know i would like those things to happen together in conjunction like if you watch this incredible movie called wall e Wally. Oh. <laughs> so in that case, we've destroyed the planet, but all the people are fat and they live without fear and they have economic security. You know, I, I think we need to take this holistic, integrated approach to our society and, and how we function it, where it all needs that long-term 
integration where we don't have all the externalities. Like if we're just pursuing equal rights, what, what could fall out of the equation? If we're just pursuing, you know, economic security, what could fall out of the equation? And I think when you take a 50 year horizon and you start thinking about the secondary and tertiary consequences of our actions, it is actually quite a clarifying process to do that. You know, well, if yep. we if we just keep producing this energy in order to get everybody to, you know, out of poverty, we're going to destroy the world. You know, like we need a we need to balance all that out. And so that's I think in part what's so powerful about long-termism and keeping con men out of our project, I think is important to, <laughs> to make sure it I mean, works. It's a tough one because like, you know, on the one hand, like, I mean, in the kind of progressive finance community, we talk about this uh, a fair bit where it's like, okay, we need to be able to meet people where they are. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but at the same time, we need to uphold some standards for the movement. Um, you know, and neither of those things are, uh, you know, objectively achievable goals, right? They're the kind of thing that you have to aspire towards continuously. Um, you know, and- it's actually very interesting because I had a bunch of interesting conversations. Um, I'm going to say interesting again, just because I said it twice there. Interesting. 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 Very uh, interesting. And, but it, you know, the, the classic economics is this top-down approach, right? Where we're, we're like trying to build these models that we can apply to everybody. Yep. And I think taking a long-term view is about actually going into the the bottom and, and building a bottom up perspective and saying, what are people actually feeling and doing on a day to day basis? And that's done through ethnographies. It's done through qualitative research and case studies. It's also being done through big data now yep. and through all, AI and, and all these interesting things are opening up new avenues of understanding context. And that context is critical. You talk about meeting people where they are. When Lindsay and I set up Long Game, we're like, we're going to help everybody save for retirement. And then you get in there and you're like, wait, everybody has credit card debt out the wazoo. Yep. Like we need, <laughs> we need people to pay down their credit card debt. You know? And so you, you change based on the context. And I think so much of this is about understanding context. And once you have the tools for context, then I think you can develop outcomes that really are win-win, win-win-win-win. When, 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, like the tired of winning type outcomes. Oh my goodness. 2024, <laughs> winning coming. Uh, you know, okay. I shouldn't have said 2024 because it's like anytime you mentioned that election, people just groan. Nobody's happy with what's happening in our political <laughs> future. <laughs> you know, yeah, the, the, the interesting thing though is like, I, I you know, I, I mean, you know, this is off topic, but just like, as I've been paying attention to carbon and all that stuff, I actually am getting pretty optimistic about our political future. Oh, you know, uh, yeah. like, yeah, like the, I mean, the, in part, you know, just the inflation reduction act was great, but watching the way that daddy Biden and all of the, you know, associated folks have kind of like, you know, put a stick in with new EPA regulations that kind of dovetail with inflation reduction act provisions and stuff like that. Um, I do kind of get this like weird patriotic, like America's back, baby. Uh, <laughs> it's funny you say that. I have, I have like found myself lecturing my kids about how awesome America is lately. Yeah. 
you know? Yeah. Because this place, like, it, it, yeah, we got our problems. It's dysfunctional, but it's still that like beacon on the hill, you know? Like, yeah. we're still leading. We did the IRA, you know, like we are pushing the boundaries. We invented uh, Crypto Kitties. Yes. <laughs> you did that. Right. Yeah, there's a bunch of other good stuff that we did that aren't, you know, frauds. And um, and so I I just love this place. You know, <laughs> I became an American when I was uh, 18 and I'm I don't regret it yet. I'm also not a billionaire. So, yeah. you know, yeah. you know, the tax thing chases you around the planet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Once, I mean, you know, it is, it is fun, uh, to kind of get into the, the zone where you're like, all oh, these regulations, rah. Yeah. uh, anyway, um, next dear Ashby question. I mean, this is like, I, I, I would love to see some economics papers about this. Um, will the failure of Silicon Valley bank have more or less economic consequence than the nationwide Adderall shortage? <laughs> First of all, I didn't know we had an Adderall shortage. Is oh man, that's, uh, that, I mean, lucky for you. Yeah, the... <laughs> I don't. I don't consume it. Uh, maybe I should start. But um, yeah, shit's fire. I mean, <laughs> it's, no. I mean, I hear people are doing it. The kids these days. Uh, look, I think the SVB Bank thing is bigger, just because that's the one I know <laughs> to be big. I, I'm really nervous about the future of regional, community, local banks. Yeah, I think this um it has been a bit chilling and people are really moving banks from communities where bankers know people who are building cake shops and dry cleaners and things like this and you're ending up with the behemoths in new york and i yep. don't think that's a bottom up perspective a contextual perspective on economic activity from our you know altruism question i, I just don't think that's great um, yeah. So I, I worry about that, but yeah, I'm not quite sure what to do about it just yet, but yeah, I think local and regional banks are very important for our project are like, you know, bringing people, raising all boats, all those kinds of things. I'm not sure that's the the job of the New York based too big to fail banks, but we'll see. Yeah. It's, it's hard to imagine, um, those banks kind of taking the same sort of, I mean, you know, I, like. And it's funny. I was a shareholder in Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, oh wow! You know, and uh, and and was our, our that risk and part of Invest Vegan. Yeah, it was it was in the Invest Vegan portfolio. You know, actually, we owned both. Uh, you know, Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank at one point. Oh wow! Um, but our our risk controls got us out of it um, about God. six or eight months before everything started going to shit. No way. Yeah, it's almost like this iterative risk control process, like where you look at things anew uh, and like integrate a whole bunch of stuff, like has some like practical implications almost. That is legit. Congratulations it, for being. Thank you. I'm, I'm really proud of it. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, and it's fun because like I, I look I look back at like the early days of SVB and it's like, you know, they were they were banking so many climate projects. They were banking. I mean, you know, when I made the investment, they were you know, a legitimately woke bank in a great way. Um, and it, and it was, it was not even some like direct signal of an incoming crisis that, that caused us to sell. It was, uh, a bunch of stuff about governance that people would find relatively obscure and not necessarily decision relevant. Um, but being kind of shrill about that shit is what, what protected us from, from owning that stock. 
Um, anyway, next question. Okay. Um, is it a red flag if a CFO uses a MacBook? I <laughs> uh, like this one. Um, <laughs> it probably was for a while when, you know, because I, I think what the person, if you didn't write this, whoever submitted I, yeah. <laughs> is uh i think that oh you know what you're cfo aren't you so you i, I mean you're yeah CFO of what you're, this is literally like a dear abby question for yourself dear I, abby. I don't i don't use max so you okay. know hey so you're thanking uh, people because the mac was almost always linked with a crappier version of excel yes and the life of a cfo is in excel or was yeah um, and so the idea that you would see a CFO with a MacBook was a sign that your CFO was crappy at Excel. That's, yes, that's the yeah. hidden underneath this question. Yeah, like if you, if your CFO needs a mouse to use Excel, yeah. should you? Yeah, are you in trouble? And the answer is probably yes. The answer is probably yes. As you get to bigger companies, though, is it the CFO or is it the CFO's team? You know what I mean? Like this. Yeah, you really see in the title, chief. Yeah. Yeah, the chief is in charge, and so if they have, you know, many of them are probably just cruising with iPads, looking at the outputs of tables. Yep, you know. Yep. Um, but yeah, I will. I I will say that is a soon to be dated concept. Like you got to imagine that the versions of Excel and frankly Google Sheets. Um, are going to start to be good enough on Macs or already are. I don't, I don't know. I, yeah. I use Google sheets now. It seems fine, but yeah, I, I made the, I made the jump to Google sheets when we, uh, you know, started, uh, when Gabe joined, cause he sits in New York and checking out Excel sheets and stuff like that was just going to not happen. Yeah. Um, and you know, so, so simple to share the content, you know? Yeah. And you can, yeah. And you can get commenting, you, you know, it's, yeah, it's it's almost. I mean, I I think that like you know, twenty year old me would be like, "What? You're you're not using Excel? <gasps> I can't believe you." You know, but um, yeah, you know, it's important to not let the uh, the form of the of the thing you know overtake the uh, the function that we desire from it. Yeah, um, Lotus Notes is gone, and who yeah. knows? Maybe Excel will be gone too one day, and it'll be Sheets, and then maybe oh. we'll get real software to power these analyses. I mean, that's, that's kind of, you know, another place that, you know, I, I mean, you know, at, at Woodcash, we have to track carbon and, ca and cash expenses. Yeah. And I've been really shocked at how crappy the carbon accounting modules are on like QuickBooks and other stuff like that. Right. Um, so we're probably going to be stuck in our own sheets for a while. Um, but gosh, wouldn't it be nice if we were, if we didn't have to homebrew all that stuff. Um, yeah. Anyway, one, our, our last and most popular segment by far is garden tip time and i've got one you got a garden tip for us it's not a tip you can implement without uh, this is i was <laughs> about to say without doing a dance it's, it's about rain and i don't think we're allowed to talk about rain dances anymore i mean i you not without a land acknowledgement uh, Jesus. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, so I'm not going to talk about it, but I'm going to talk about rain. Holy shit. Rain is a hell of a drug for your garden. My oh my gosh. Gosh, people. So I haven't talked to you much because we haven't been doing the pod. This mm -hmm. was the rainiest year I've ever lived through. And I lived in Oxford. I lived in Paris. Like 
it felt like it never stopped raining in California. And not the like, oh, do you need an umbrella or don't you? It's like, <laughs> it doesn't matter if you have an umbrella, you're going to be drenched. Like this is yeah. like monsoon. And um, I cannot believe the growth outside in my, my yard right now. Like just shocking trees that have like shot out everywhere and blooms that are, and we're having a super bloom. Yeah. I had to Google yeah. what that was when somebody's like, it's super bloom time. You know, when you get so much rain, these uh, wildflowers go bananas and it's true. So um, I don't know how to give a, a tip about that, except to say, go and look at what's happening in California. Go, go look at the wildflowers. Um, I had to pick so many weeds, Sloan. I mean, so, yeah, I there were some weeds that were like the trunk, that were like tree trunks. Um, that popped up in like four weeks and it was like as tall as me. Some of these things are pretty impressive. Now make it rain on them.